Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Mohammed Mwazi was a grade school student in London with a promising future ahead of him in 1995. By 2014, he'd become known as Jihadi John, a masked ISIS terrorist in Syria, who's internationalized his notoriety by broadcasting his beheadings of Western hostages on the Internet. The film is called Unmasking Jihadi John, Anatomy of a Terrorist. Basically, it's a revealing documentary which propels us through Mwazi's journey down a violent path despite U.S. And, and British authorities being aware of his extremism. It also highlights the ascendancy of ISIS in Syria and Iraq. And we're joined today by the director, and that would be Anthony Wonke, as well as the producer and writer Richard Kerbaj. To both of you, Anthony and Richard, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having us. To both of you, this is a wonderful documentary, and um, I, I think anyone who has been paying attention at all has heard of Jihadi John, and when you heard him the first time, at least when I heard him the first time, the obvious thing is that he, speaking with a British accent, it was very jarring. From there, we got to know him uh, through his actions, through his brutality, and all of uh, all of the stuff that came along with this incredible scourge known as ISIS. Uh, what was it? Uh, I know that you both worked in this area, particularly you, Richard, have worked in the area of what's been happening in uh, Syria and Iraq and the and the ascendancy of these terrorist groups. Richard Garbage, what was it? Uh, how did this documentary come together and talk about the um, bringing in of Anthony as well? Well, I suppose the formation and the rise of ISIS back in 2014 caught the entire world by surprise. And at the time, I was reporting. I was a, I'm a national security reporter for the Sunday Times newspaper in London. So I was covering the story about foreign fighters traveling to Syria, because uh, at that point, none of them were traveling back. So the threat seemed to be sort of far away. But then eventually, the, the, the collapse of ISIS started to kind of look fairly certain. And, and during and sort of between those two phases, you had the uh, the entire recruitment campaign that was being driven by ISIS through these sort of millennial jihadis who were weaponizing social media websites, particularly YouTube and Twitter. And so I wanted to kind of reflect and do a story that kind of defines what ISIS is, but tell the story through a character. And a couple of the previous films that I've done, I've done through a single character. And Emwazi encapsulated so much of what ISIS stood for, its ideology, its barbarity, its evil sort of outlook and mindset, uh, and its kind of uh, its narrative that it was pushing around the world in its propaganda campaign. That I thought he would be a key person to uh, do the investigation on, and and also I think what the reason why he was uh, an important and a key figure to investigate is because this is a guy who was beheading innocent people, particularly aid workers and journalists. And he happened to be work he happened to be a British uh, a now British citizenship, uh, even though he wasn't born in Britain. And he was killing, for instance, in some cases, he was killing American hostages. So immediately that caused a degree of chatter.
within the intelligence circles on both sides of the Atlantic. And I thought that was a great way to sort of tell the story about the formation and collapse of ISIS by engaging both sides of the intelligence communities on either side of the uh, Atlantic. And Anthony, where did you come into uh, this project? I, I came into a phone call and literally uh, our executive producer, Jane Root, just pitched it to me and said, would you like to make a film about Jihadi John? And it was a quite instinctive decision. Um, I had just finished uh, two years at Lucasfilm working on Star Wars and I kind of, there was a part of me that thought I wanted to actually go back to do something, a film uh, in that region. And I remember the, the release, you know, the message to America and the release of those those videos vividly. Um, I was in the States at the time and, and saw how it created a kind of frenzied, uh, just a, a climate of fear within America uh, by this one video. And for a filmmaker, I think if you can look at an image or a video and think about that, it's something so uh, distinctive and iconic, for want of a better word, that, that you in some way can kind of unpack that and deconstruct it. And I think that was a very sort of enticing filmic thing to do, is to try to understand, you know, who was this person who had made this film? You know, where was it in the, in the desert? Who are these people that they're, that, that, that they're holding hostage and, and they're going to execute? It's a horrendous murder is your starting point. And, and you kind of then want to open up from there. And then obviously I met with Richard, who I'd known about reading the Sunday Times, and, and then he kind of showed me his, his list of characters uh, that, that he had on board. And, and what was very surprising about it and, uh, and refreshing was that a lot of these people were the former heads of the intelligence services and agencies that had actually um, been in the thick of this battle against ISIS. Um, and that was unique. And instead of having a chorus of people who were kind of who would commentate it or experts, whether it's journalists or writers or academics, you know, who are usually outside of the fray. Uh, this, this, the possibility of telling this story was very much through the people who were in the thick of it. And then I think we started off with those, with those original characters and then it just grew and we realized actually that we can tell uh, a, a more of a profound film, I think, about um, why this person got radicalized and what ISIS did to recruit him and uh, make him become what he became, and, and why they grew as a terrorist group in, in that part of the world so quickly. Um, and I suppose what, as well what that says about us in society and, and what are these big you know, questions and issues that, that, that are circling us at the moment. And so it, was, it, it, wasn't, it was a very instinctive reaction that drew me to it, um, like a lot of films, I suppose, when you, when you take them on board. But, yeah, I think it was like it's also a challenge and you know that you want to try to tell a rounded story of someone, you know, who's done some monstrous things. It's a challenge, and yeah. The thing about unmasking uh, Jihadi John, the anatomy of a terrorist, that makes this such a, a great documentary, uh, such a great document for us to to really kind of digest, is that it takes something that we think we well we've seen. Most people have seen the at least the beginning of some of these videos where these people are beheaded. And then they, they think they know a little bit, but it takes something familiar and takes us down this path and enlightens us in so many different ways uh, so that his, mm. the actions of Jihadi John are, are sort of cracking the door open 
and and absolutely right. We get we we follow that thread, not only in his own personal story, but also really in so many more important ways. We get the big picture, as well as the micro. That's for me. I I say this probably ad nauseum to to filmmakers. That's the macro micro. If you can do that effectively, you have you have done something special, and uh, that's what this film oh. feels like. And uh, so I'm just I I, I feel like. I think I know a lot of about these these issues because I, I I'm a citizen and I try to stay involved and in, and informed. But uh, I I really appreciate the way that you're able to tell this story, and to pull me into it in a way that I, I just found uh, it's a fascinating film and it's a something I it just it just needs to be seen by as many people as possible, because we spend so much of our time laboring in the, in the dark about these issues and why they're happening and we react and that's why we need more of this. Tell us a little bit sort of the first step in sort of uh, going down this road with um, with this film Unmasking Jihadi John. I'll, where do you start when you're when you're trying to get into a, a story like this? Well, I suppose getting getting a sense of what the, the narrative arc will be and for me initially it was the hunt and the reason why I wanted to sort of focus on the man hunt is because there were a lot of whispers within the counterterrorism and intelligence communities about what took place. But I figured if I could distill that and figure a way to kind of express it visually, then then we have at least the beginnings of a film. And obviously you need people to tell that story. And around that time, a few of the characters who I approached, who ultimately go on to become contributors, had uh, left their posts. So they were free to talk about it uh, a bit more, uh, you know, a bit more liberally. And, and I got a sense of what the story is going to be. And I just got to construct the story as I always do, because my initial instinct as a journalist is to write as opposed to film. So I started sort of writing a narrative outline and then you know, did a few uh, interviews with people just to get a sense of how they'll sort of um, uh, respond to questions in front of the camera. Because as you know, you know, a lot of people who were able to express themselves quite eloquently when you're doing, say, a print interview don't necessarily have those skills to transfer over to being in front of the camera because sometimes the camera can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. But but I was very blessed in that sense because I found the right contributors and they were very able to speak. And also they were very honest in their expressions. They weren't in any way trying to paper over or varnish the journey that they were on while they were tracking Jihadi John. In fact, they were quite critical of uh, the way that things were handled in some cases. In some cases, they were also um, you know, self-critical about whether or not they got their methods right in the operations. And I think that was what was most uh, fulfilling about this, both creatively and journalistically, is that you got a sense of you know, real honesty from people who were the operatives. And then, of course, the real honesty comes again as well from the hostages themselves, who take us on a slightly different journey and become sort of the heart of the film. Let's talk about some of the people that you just mentioned that you have in the film because they are we we are familiar with many of them. Uh, General David Petraeus uh, is in the film, Diane Foley, the the mother of James Foley, but the other people I I didn't know about the captured journalists and some of the the aid workers that uh, that are were held hostage by ISIS. Or were any of them reticent? Uh, do do any of them feel like them talking about their time? Uh, as captured by ISIS, do they feel any sort of threats, current threats to their lives for speaking? Or 
No, I don't. I don't. I think if you're referring to Nicholas Henin or, or Federico Motko, no. Mm. I mean, I, both Nicholas and Federico haven't gone back to the Middle East since. Um, so I don't think they're kind of exposing themselves to that chance of of being kidnapped or abducted again or, or, or on the threat like that. I mean, Federico. Uh, interesting why he chose Federico is because he hadn't really spoken before. He, he'd only appeared very briefly on a radio interview with three of the other hostages. And what we found was that there were quite a lot of hostages who had done various bits of kind of news interviews and, you know, sitting at a desk being interviewed by someone. And, and they were all very short little clips and they'd never really been exposed to a kind of a much longer interview. I mean, a lot of these interviews went up for sort of three, four hours. It took us. Well, it took me quite a long time to get Federico, and I think he he very sort of kindly said that when he first met me, he didn't he wasn't interested in taking part, and he was out of politeness he was going to meet with us. Surprisingly, I think that he has. Um, this has been a kind of cathartic experience for him. I think sometimes it happens when you make documentaries. People are in these very kind of emotional spaces, and, and terrible things happen to them that. Some, it was almost as though when he turned up on that interview after sort of numerous meetings with him, he felt as though this was his moment to kind of get it out there and this will be the, the one and only time that he does it. And I think that comes out in the film and the power of it all. Mm. And um, it, was, we, it wasn't something that we kind of at the very beginning thinking, oh, yes, you know, the hostages are going to play such an important role. But then actually when you realise and you take them back to that time, uh, you, you can't forget kind of the sort of the emotional and psychological and uh, brutality that Imwazi had sort of inflicted on these on these men it's sort of as, as Richard said it's the sort of emotional heart of the film yeah it is well uh, I kind of leapfrogged a little bit into the the, the, the question I should have followed with this with uh, and that is let's talk about the Nicholas Hennen and um, just and also the relatives of the people who were held captive, who were in the film, who are so compelling. But Nicholas Hennen is quite a quite a story, or quite a quite a person to uh, to to focus on in the film. He was a journalist, or is a journalist. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, sure. I mean, he was a journalist at the time, uh, working for a uh, he'd worked for a French press for some time. But also, before going out to Syria, he covered he'd done a lot of foreign correspondence work around the Middle East, that's what sort of drew, he, he was drawn to the Middle East, and he speaks fairly fluent Arabic as well, and so he was fairly familiar with that environment, you know, uh, he's a sort of person who was, you know, comfortable in that ease and hostile environments, and he was out there pretty much to report on the story, as many other journalists were, including Jim Foley, yeah. including John Cantley, who was a photographer, including the, you know, other journalists who covered the story for the... Arabic press and the Japanese press and the Italian press. So they were out there. It was a, their trip out there was purposeful. They weren't just out there to kind of check out what was happening. They were going out there to sort of inform the public, to inform uh, you know the world's policies on how to tackle extremist uh, uh, extremist ideologies, and also to report on the issues that the displaced Syrians, who themselves were Muslims and who were displaced by other Muslims. It just so happened that the Islamist extremists displaced them to report on their sort of conditions and the humanitarian crisis that was going on at the time. And that really comes through uh, in um, Nicholas Hearn's uh, profile and his story and his narrative, that he was just, you know, he put himself on the front line 
called something that was meaningful and purposeful. And then, in the end, of course, he had to endure months of torture and beatings at the hand of, hands of ISIS because they thought that you know it would be useful for their propaganda campaign to kidnap Western people, and he just happened to be a Westerner in that part of the world. Yeah. Well, I've, I want to remind our audience that we're speaking with the uh, director of this film, uh, Unmasking Jihadi John, Anatomy of a Terrorist, and that's Anthony Wonke, as well as the producer and writer, Richard Kerbage. I do want to let people know that the film pre, uh, premieres on HBO on July 31st. Uh, coming up, that's Wednesday, July 31st on HBO. It will be screening uh, on the channel on at 8 p.m. Eastern, as well as it'll be screening here in, on the West Coast at 8 p.m. on July 31st. Well, I, again, I, I really have kind of glossed over so much of this film in terms of diving into how effectively you tell the story of ISIS and how it was able to recruit people like Jihadi John and others into it and Baghdadi and all of these sort of perversions of, uh, of a religious uh, uh, beliefs into something brutal and ugly. But the film does a wonderful job of giving us a window into that world and why these things have happened. Certainly the conditions in, in this part of the world lend themselves to people radicalizing, and that's another whole story. That's another whole documentary and interview about how this, how we are where we are today. But in terms of telling the story of ISIS, I thought uh, the film did a magnificent job of of understanding, giving us an understanding of how that happened. Thank you. Thank you to both of you uh, for oh, for spending time with us today here on Film School Radio. The film, again, is Unmasking Jihadi John, Anatomy of a Terrorist, and we've been speaking with the director, Anthony Wonke, as well as the writer and producer, Richard Kerbage. Thank you, gentlemen, both for your time today. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.